Hey everyone, it's Wes. Uh, I'm going to intro this week's episode. It's a really cool episode about a tiger shark attack. You guys all know how much I love sharks. I think they're maybe the most beautiful animals on this planet. They're so important and they're so cool. So I hope you guys get this from that episode uh, because sharks really are great and we're quickly destroying a lot of sharks in the world. So I want to make sure that you guys come away from this with a big love for sharks. Uh, Secondly, I do really quickly want to plug something that I'm doing this fall. Um, I'm going to be guiding a trip in Brazil's Pantanal wetlands. That trip's going to be mostly looking for birds plus jaguars plus reptiles. Uh, It's going to be a really fun trip. It's actually with the company that my girlfriend Jesse works for, Naturalist Journeys. So if you guys are interested, we do have a few more spots available. Just go to naturalistjourneys.com, go to their destinations tab, then to the calendar, And then the one that we're doing is actually the Pantanal trip that's in October. So we have a few spots left. We'd love to see a few of you there. All right, that's it for interruptions. Here's the episode. Hey, everyone. Hey! Hey. Is this our second episode in a row we recorded together? Uh, Maybe. It is. We're here together. I lose track. Yeah, everything. I do too. I don't don't ask me. All right. That's a hard question it to is. start off the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Let's do some warm ups. All right. Uh, how's it going, guys? It's going good. Yeah. You want to introduce us? Yeah. We're Tooth and Claw. We're a podcast of two brothers and three friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're all <laughs> we're all friends here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're all about talking. We're all brothers. Yeah. Dude. Well. Mike, yeah, Mike can mm-hmm. he can be our brother, honorary brother. The words of the immortal meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about animal attacks, but we try and talk about animal attacks in a way that gives the animals a lot of credit, that talks about why the animals actually attacked in the first place, why often it's the people that are at fault for those attacks, not always, but often. And we try and be uh, just kind of de- describe some of the behavior of those animals and also a little bit about conservation. So... We're kind of full circle on animal attacks. Wes. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes I have like some minor beef with Mike. Right. And sometimes I have some minor beef with you. Yeah. I want to like try to stir some up between you and Mike. Okay. So he went to a barber the other day, uh-huh. which I thought he always cut his own hair, but apparently went to a yeah, barber. that's way off brand for you. First time in a long time. Yeah. yeah. And she told him that bear spray doesn't work because it actually makes the it brings them in yeah common misconception yeah you use it and the bears like it and come closer right and mike just went with it okay (laughs) interesting that already convinced you so here's the thing Uh i already have a a pretty strained relationship with barbers yeah if i start contradicting them mid haircut they're gonna like take some real artistic liberties i feel like with what they're doing and get this it also makes me feel old, so I almost don't want to bring it up. But she asked if she could trim my eyebrows. Oh, I always have for them the first trim my time eyebrows. ever, and it was yeah. like, really? yeah, huh. yeah, it's nice. yeah. They've never offered that for me. I just ask. Hmm. So the last time I want to be like get into a mini argument with somebody is when they have get a razor to my eyebrow. Trimmed. So this, I was like, you know what? I'm not the expert. I would feel I don't <laughs> feel I anything. feel like someone who's cut their own hair for the past ten years. Mm-hmm. It literally. Any way that your heart desires at that moment wouldn't care too much what a barber is about to do to their hair. 
Maybe enough to stick up for one of their best friends. This is not like ad hominem <laughs> against Grizz Kid or something. I was also like, he was like, well, I'm not like an expert. And I was like, why don't you just tell her you have like a wildlife podcast? Yeah. And he Yo. was like, I go out of my way to never tell anyone. <laughs> why this would just I want up verbatim? You weren't talking about no, the podcast. No, no. Well, I was talking about how I was about to run up to, uh, to where are we? Montana? Montana. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah, wow, cool. Oh, this is someone in Utah, no less, weight. telling you this? <laughs> Yeah, so she she started talking about the Yellowstone stuff just yeah. because that's big enough news to it's not it's not weird to hear someone bring that up. Yeah. But she was like telling me that yeah, but she was telling me that you should probably not use bear spray because they like the yeah, smell and wrong. the taste. So I can explain that really quick. Yeah, I'd like because you to. I feel like I need to. So bear spray within like the, the capsaicin bonds to an oil that shoots out as an oil. Like that's the main thing in there. Like. It's so much propellant, so much capsaicin, and then there's oil. Oil is kind of the bonding agent. And if you spray it and then it just like settles, it's true that like a bear might come in and like roll around in it and lick it and everything because it's this like peppery oil kind of interesting food source. But that's once it's like on the ground, once it's settled. Okay. If you spray it into their face, they're it, not just it's like. It's not good. Or if it's in the air and they run through it, it's not a good thing for them. That's why if you spray bear spray, you don't want to necessarily like hang out in that area because you were just charged by a bear there too. Like Mm -hmm. you want to get out of there. But once it's settled, you can like lick it off the rocks. You can, but a bear might want to. (laughs) Okay. So that's like the misconception because there have been studies showing bears like coming back in and like rolling around in it or licking it or whatever. But at that point, you should already be out of there. I feel like I have to defend myself at the beginning of every episode. You don't. This it's is. Fine. Uh, I think we should fire you. I you think, won't even yeah. tell people like, that you <laughs> have a podcast. podcast. <laughs> I want to talk about a show that I just went to. Oh. I saw Third Eye Blind and Taking Back Sunday. Oh, a real wow. nostalgic show. Taking Back Sunday is like an all timer for me. Yeah, Third Eye Blind was a lot better though. Mm. Like ten times better. Mm. And like is a live act, hurts. yeah. Okay. And I like both of those bands a lot. Third Eye Blind has a weird, like a, I have a real soft spot for their first album. Yeah. It was actually our optometrist when we'd get our braces off, he would give us a CD. Like that was the prize for wearing metal jagged bars for two years. Uh, orthodontist. What yeah. I say, optometrist. optometrist. Yeah. <laughs> Why is your optometrist <laughs> taking your know. braces? Off? Man of many talents. Yeah. Or orthodontist. And. uh <laughs> So when I got it's my just braces nice to off, correct you on it is yeah. vocabulary yeah, every once good. in a while. Yeah. You know, I must feel good. <laughs> Real victory. Uh, so when I got my braces off, I got the Third Eye Blind album, the self-titled album, and it was right before our family took a big trip to Lake Powell, and I had a Sony Walkman and I like a Discman, sorry. Okay. And yeah. I put it in there, and you could like program it so it only play certain tracks. Like you'd have to go through and then like hit a button, and it would like pick the tracks that you wanted. And I played Semi-Charm Life, Jumper, and How's It Gonna Be on like a straight loop from here to Lake Powell. So Missoula to Lake Powell was like a 13-hour drive. And that's all I listened to. And it was also when I first read Lord of the Rings. So now I can't hear the song Jumper without thinking of Frodo and Sam like in their last stages of their journey where Frodo was like ready to like kill himself and Sam like talks him down pretty much. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. 
Anyway, it's, yeah. it's a weird Peter association. Peter should have hired them for yeah, the soundtrack. The right <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was fun to see him live. This is actually, I've seen him live a handful of times. But yeah, they sound really cool. Time. I actually, hearing about how much of kind of like an iconic dick Stephen Jenkins yeah, supposedly is. supposedly like a, a world-class douchebag. It only makes me like musicians more when I hear those <laughs> stories. Because it's like, that's how you probably should be yeah. if you're like. I actually you have know. a friend who is like a super fan. And uh-huh. went to every city one summer that they <laughs> oh, were nice. touring on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And like, he missed two venues and then showed up in like the middle of nowhere in Montana. This was a long time ago. Yeah. And the singer spotted him and was like, we f- missed you, dude. And like <laughs> ran up and hugged him. That's, awesome. That's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Isn't that the plot to Taken? His daughter was following. Who was the oh, band? You the daughter. She was oh, following you too. What eighteen-year-old girl follows you to Europe. Europe? Unreal. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's what's been going on. Uh, I did want to like we did this on the Patreon episode, but I wanted to do a brief update on Yellowstone because a lot of people have asked. I am working in the park. The floods demolished the northern entrance. They're talking about reopening the northern loop pretty soon, though. So I think a lot, for most people that want to come visit Yellowstone, it's going to be somewhat back to normal. They do have like a license plate system now for like, if you have like an odd number license plate or an even number license plate, Hmm. certain days you can enter. Oh, weird. So you want to look into that, but I'm good. Everything's good with me. I actually got to have a couple really interesting weeks with no visitors in the park. And all the bears got really bold with no one around. So what if it was like, my license plate says haters with haters. a Z at the they end? They actually have a system for like <laughs> the personalized ones too. Yeah, an anyone with a vanity a plate, plate is not allowed yeah. in the park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the rule. Anyway, it was a fun couple weeks. I like had a grizzly with two cubs in my yard one day. Oh, cool. It's pretty neat. But yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's the update. So thanks, everyone, for your nice messages and everything. But I'm safe. You're welcome. And uh, the park will be different, but it will be interesting. So speaking of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great transition. Yeah. We're going to talk about sharks again, All right. which is one of my favorite subjects. Megalodon. Not Megalodon. We're not talking the Meg the this Meg. time. Nope. We'll have Jason Statham on for that All that right. episode. We're talking about tiger sharks. Oh, nice. Which I really wish one of you guys would have taken my cue there from Jaws and gone, a what? <laughs> oh, shoot. We missed it. Next time. Um, before we talk about sharks, this is kind of something I think we're going to do at the beginning of every shark episode. I just want to talk briefly about how demonized sharks are. I think of all the animals we talk about, snakes and sharks are probably the two that people have like the most innate natural fear of. And this is a scary story about a shark. It's like this one, this episode is scary. Uh-oh. Um but I want, I want everyone to think about, as we're talking about the story, remember that this is an animal that is trying to access a food source. That's all it is. This is an animal displaying its natural behavior, and it's just trying to survive just like we are. And they don't deserve our hate. They're beautiful, amazing animals. They're really important to the ocean ecosystem. And if you ever do get a chance to see a shark in the wild, Mike, I know you've seen some. Jeff, you've seen some. Nothing moves through the water quite as beautifully as a shark. They are just graceful, beautiful, amazing animals. And although they can be scary, we shouldn't demonize them. Getting eaten by a shark isn't as bad as being tortured by humans for two weeks until you die. I agree. So humans are scarier. We're scarier. Yeah. Without a doubt. 
Uh, (laughs) That's a low bar, right? People's fear of sharks, I think, is... I understand it. The, uh, The thought of already being in an environment that you're not used to and then being completely powerless in that environment and then having an animal with, like, teeth that look like a shark's teeth and just they're so powerful that there's really nothing you can do to stop it once it starts coming and you don't see it coming. There's like so many things that play into that psychology. I think that I totally understand why people are afraid of shark attacks. I think out of all the animals we talk about, they're the one that probably scares me the most, even though they're like maybe my favorite. That's why Sharknado just doesn't scare me that much. Cause they're coming because out of the I'm sky. on land, yeah, you know, exactly. like being in water is part of what's scary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was Sharknado trying to scare people? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so That's I don't a good blame point people. about Sharknado. Like, <laughs> Thank you. If there was a barricade... I just breeze past that. Yeah. Like, think about if there's a hurricane with bears in it. It's like... You yeah, know, yeah. Like you're not. I'm not super I'm not afraid, afraid of. of you yeah, probably whipped around by without a hurricane. realizing you probably just gave like Sci-Fi Channel their next billion <laughs> dollars. Hold on, in the water. patent that real quick. <laughs> yeah, you need to patent barricane real quick. Except for polar bears because they're aquatic animals. Yeah, they're marine mammals. True. Yeah. Um. All right. So this is a scary episode. And hold on to your. Some butts. people it might not bother quite as much, but for me, the the imagery in this one, w- like, kind of tapped into those fears. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to be talking about Ray Boundy. Keep in mind that this is the guy that got super duper scared when he watched Paranormal Activity. <laughs> so <laughs> this is... <laughs> oh, I'm never going to live that down. I love horror movies, everyone. Just so you know, like of the three of us, I like horror movies the most. Some shadows in the window of oh, the cabin. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right. So I got a few different sources for this story. Uh, one that actually really helped was this podcast I found. It's called Shark Files. They go over different shark attacks. It's kind of like Case Files, the Australian podcast, true crime podcast that oh, yeah, they really yeah, like. I love it. They even kind of have the same logo oh, yeah. looking. But it's just like a guy talking about shark attacks. And there was a lot of really good information that I couldn't find anywhere else in that podcast. And then I read a lot of articles that came out in the 80s when this happened. Um, I hope they got it from a different podcast and it's, and it's just, just like an ongoing yeah. train of podcasts. <laughs> we don't even like have the names right <laughs> at this point. Uh, another thing that I wanted to mention is there's a movie made in 2010 called The Reef that's based off of this story. Oh, um, I watched okay. that movie. It's nothing. It's There's some similar aspects, but it's like a great white instead of a tiger shark and a few different things. But actually a pretty entertaining movie. I really liked it. Hmm. So it's 1983. 27-year-old Ray Boundy is living his dream in the tropical city of Townsville in northeastern Australia. So he's a father of two, and he's also the captain of the New Venture. It's a 45-foot prawn trawler boat. Uh, Mike, you okay? I love the the name Townsville, Townsville. for a place to live. Yeah. <laughs> like, so what should we call this one? I don't know. Bodie McBoatface. Townsville. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I didn't think about that. Sorry. Um, so he's the father of two. He's the captain of the New Venture, which is a 45-foot prawn trawler boat. Uh, for all of you non-Americans, that's 14 meters. Uh, and even at his young age, he was like a really accomplished seaman. <laughs> okay. Pause for laughter. Uh, on Friday, July 22nd, he and his crew got the New Venture ready for a shrimp fishing trip, and they left that evening. So this is Friday, uh, July 22nd. He's joined by a second captain, uh, Dennis Murphy, who is a 23-year-old deckhand from Brisbane. 
everyone that talked about Dennis said that he was this really free-spirited kid. He would go from place to place and just kind of do whatever odd job he could. But he had a lot of experience on a boat, and uh, Ray hired him for this particular trip. Dennis's nickname was Smurf, which to me I think <laughs> is a pretty good nickname uh, and also kind of weirdly brought back Smurfs for me, which I feel like there has been you much Smurf discussion. Why do you in the think it's while. a good nickname? I don't know. I just like the nickname he, Smurf. Like, was he blue? I don't think so. <laughs> I think about that hot Smurf like once a day. Smurfette. Oh, yeah. yeah, Smurfette. Once I, a day? Yeah. What it, are you doing? <laughs> just thinking about her. <laughs> Drawing her. I feel like the Smurfs are kind of done. Yeah. Yeah, it's they been had a that long big while. movie a couple and it, of years ago. It didn't do well. Mm. Okay. Anyway. Sassy Smurf? So, aside from Smurf and Ray, the other person on the boat was Dennis's girlfriend, Linda Horton. Uh, she went by Lindy for short. She was only 21 years old. Hold on. Lindy. Lindy, short for Linda? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Why well, <I> so. <laughs> Continue. It's the exact <laughs> same thing. Yeah, it's just like a cute. I feel sure. like Australians always put a Y on the Lindy. end of everything. Yeah, like, yeah. Lindy sounds very Australian to me. Hmm. And they're probably like, Dennis, that doesn't sound Australian. We're going to call you a Smurf. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> she was 21, and she was actually going to be the cook on this trip. So that was like her main thing. I think it was mostly like her and Dennis were dating and they found a job for her to do as well. Mm. Uh, She actually, though, was feeling a bit anxious on July 22nd. The winds had kicked up around Townsville and Lindy was really superstitious and she saw this increasing wind as a bad omen. But I feel like you don't really have to be superstitious to see wind as a bad omen if you're about (laughs) to go on a That's a good call, yeah. I was kind of like, huh, if I'm about to go on a multi-week fishing trip, I'm not like... I don't feel superstitious if I'm like, oh, this strong wind probably isn't the best thing. Yeah. Anyway, she was really worried, and her parents did their best to convince her to stay in Townsville, but she was known for being really tough, and she didn't want to back out of a job that she'd already agreed to, uh, so she refused to be discouraged, and she boarded the new venture as it left on that Friday evening. Uh, Might be a mistake. It was, unfortunately, a mistake. The boat was headed for some really productive fishing grounds in the area that lied between Townsville and the Great Barrier Reef. If the fishing was really good, they would spend a few weeks in the area. Mostly during the day, they would kind of relax and do odd jobs and whatnot. And then in the evening, they would get, they'd start fishing. They'd drop the nets. They would fish throughout the night. It's really hard work, but a big catch would pay out a lot of money. And they really enjoyed being on the water in each other's company. All three of them had a really great love for the sea. And the area around the Great Barrier Reef is really hard to beat. I do think I would be remiss if I didn't mention that trawl fishing is really destructive. Um, it's not a great form of commercial fishing. There, It's the boats that have like the two poles coming out the side with the big nets attached to them. Oh, okay. And yeah. sometimes they sink down to the bottom too and they just like drag the bottom and it destroys seabed ecosystems. Coral uh, reef. There's a lot of bycatch because they can't like target specific animals. So it's just not a good way to fish. It's really destructive. Mm-hmm. Um that's kind of a dark rabbit hole that we don't need to really get into. I could talk about it for a while, but I just wanted to mention that. So by the night of Sunday the 24th, the wind had gotten a lot worse, and the new venture was caught in seas that were way too rough for the boat and for this crew of only three people. That's not good. It's not good. So around midnight, Captain Ray and Lindy were in the wheelhouse. So picture Jaws. It's like the interior wheelhouse with like the radio and everything. I'm picturing perfect storm. Picture perfect storm. Yeah. uh, Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Yeah. But picture George Clooney because he was the one in the wheelhouse. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. 
So they're doing everything they do, they could to keep the boat afloat. And then Dennis was out on the deck and he's watching the waves roll in. And he looks up to see a massive wave come in and it hits the new venture. And he manages to dive off the boat just in time as this wave capsizes and flips the boat. Oh, geez. But Ray and Lindy weren't very lucky. They were in this enclosed wheelhouse. And so they got flipped with the boat and they found themselves trapped in this little small room. Oh, and it's filling with water. It's kind of like in They're the movies. They're like upside down? Yeah. They're in the movies where they have just like that little bit of water. Yeah. Or the little bit of air. And they had to dive down and free themselves Think from the wheelhouse. Think Rose and Jack. Think Rose Titanic. and Jack. Perfect. And they found themselves, all three found themselves treading water in the open ocean as their boat bobbed upside down nearby. Okay. So this is the middle of the night on um, Sunday. So their boat's still up, but it's upside down. It's bobbing down. upside down. And they uh, can't like float on it? They actually did do that. That Sunday night, they managed to pull themselves onto the overturned hull of the boat. And on Monday, they started talking about what they should do. So right before the boat had sunk, they had taken some coordinates of their position. And they knew that they were about 90 kilometers from Townsville and then 45 kilometers from the closest group of had islands. Had they caught a lot of fish? I don't know. They might have lost some fish. I don't think so, because they hadn't been out too long. Okay. But uh, they knew they had no chance of reaching dry land. So 90 kilometers is what? That's about 60. It's close to 60 miles. And then 45 kilometers is the islands. That's like 28 miles. So you can't swim that. And they decided that they were going to go and try and reach a reef that was nearby. They knew they were close to the Great Barrier Reef. They knew there were some reefs nearby that were like, up enough out of the water that they could hang out on those reefs and wait for rescue. So you're probably wondering, and this is what I was wondering, is why not just stay on the boat? Mm -hmm. My only guess is that they either assumed the boat was going to sink or that it was going to drift way out into the ocean and then they would be way off course of where they had been and so a search party wouldn't find them in that area. Mm -hmm. That's my guess because otherwise that seems like by far the most... Kind of, if you're like, if your plan B is to go to a reef that's like barely sticking up out of the water, you might as well stay on your boat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, my guess is that they're worried about it drifting out or about it sinking. So they had collected a few things from the wreckage of this boat and they made a small makeshift life raft from those items. Those items included a surfboard, a life ring, like the ones that lifeguards throw out. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then some styrofoam boxes and a beer cooler. And they tied a rope around all these things and kind of like tied them together so they had a little mishmash of a life raft and then they got into the waters of the coral sea that's what that sea is called and they headed out east toward the reefs so their plan was just to kind of paddle on all this stuff and make their way to the reefs so we've talked about a shipwreck before on this podcast uh it was another shark episode and there's a few things you really have to worry about when you're shipwrecked and sharks aren't actually at the top of that list what are some other things that you guys think would be like the number one things you have to worry about, especially in a place like the Coral Sea in Australia. Well, you got plenty of water. You're surrounded by it. Yeah. So you won't be thirsty. <laughs> so you won't be thirsty. Yeah. So food. Electric eels, maybe? Yeah, that's a good guess. <laughs> uh, I'll just answer it yeah, because really maybe bad. this is a dumb question. So thirst is one of the top ones because obviously you can't drink seawater. That just dehydrates you even more. It can cause you to go crazy. On top of that, you also have exposure. So just like the elements of the sun, uh, people that are adrift at sea often talk about how terrible the sunburn is and how yeah, it July can... by yeah, Australia so... has got to be pretty gnarly. No, so July is actually the best time for them because that's the oh, winter. Yeah, that's like so the... it's a bit cooler, a bit cloudier. 
So they had that. Everything's backwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Christmas time. They kind of had that in their favor. So actually, like for them, the water of the Coral Sea was about 23 degrees Celsius, which is about 74 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's pretty good. There's not an immediate risk of hypothermia. But they, you know, I'm not sure what kind of drinking water they were able to bring with them, if any. I'm not totally sure how well they how well prepared they were for this journey. I think these guys were really just trying to get somewhere stable and hope for rescue. I think that's really what their plan was. They knew they weren't too far from Townsville. They were pretty confident that rescue would come at some point. That water temp, it sounds like it's not terrible, but when you take into account like your body temperature is much higher than that. Like you can't yeah. be stationary in that water. Yeah, you know? I forget what it is, but it's like how much your body temperature drops after each hour in right. like 80 degree water and you will still get hypothermia. Like if you're in 74 degree water, at some point you will get hypothermia. It's not like you're just going to like you can float in it forever. Your body, if it drops below 96.8 or whatever it well, is, even just a few night, degrees, cool you get down. hypothermia. Exactly. So they weren't just like in, you know, it wasn't like an easy time for them. Mm-hmm. So I do think sharks are probably psychologically the like scariest thing that you're going to face. But there's a lot of other stuff that might kill you first or at least like really make it awful. Okay. So as they started their swim toward the reefs, Ray, Lindy, and Dennis knew that they really had their work cut out for them. Uh, they still felt pretty optimistic and positive about their chances for survival, though, which I thought was pretty impressive because I think a lot of people would just kind of succumb to panic at that point. But by that night, a 15-foot tiger shark would make them feel far less optimistic. Mm. So on Monday night... Sense. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's so mad right <laughs> On Monday night, the tiger shark first appeared. Its fin was breaking the surface in this really dark water it's nighttime so wait where are they they're swimming they're trying to swim to the reef they haven't made it to reef they're like open water yeah open water okay yep ray's no stranger to the ocean he knew that sharks were pretty commonplace in those waters he knew that shark sightings were often just the result of a curious shark and he thought that if they didn't do anything to provoke the shark there was a really good chance that it would just leave and he's right there's a good chance that would happen but unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and this shark was much more curious than Ray had bargained for. So the rough ocean at this point had broken apart their makeshift raft, and each of them were just clinging to different items as they're swimming through the water. And at this point, Ray was currently on the surfboard, and as he was moving in the direction of where they thought the reef was in the darkness, he felt the shark pass underneath him. And then right after he felt that, it turned, it swooped in, and it bit him on his knee. And his instinct was so quick that he kicked out and he actually stopped that shark like mid bite. And it was so quick, his response to it, that the shark peeled off and it cut what we think was probably an investigative bite. What I think was probably an investigative bite short. So that shark was probably just kind of doing that bump that we've talked about a lot where sometimes they'll bite a little bit too, but just really checking out to see if this was food or not. Yeah. Right. And Ray responded so quickly that it might have cut that short. Uh, the shark had nicked him, so it left a small cut on his knee, but it really left the entire group pretty shaky. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. And I was just thinking about it. Like, you're bobbing around at night, you know, you see a fin break the surface, and then you have a shark bump into you. That's kind of, it's a whole different level of terror in the night. I think in the day, it's one thing where you could like stick your head underwater and maybe see it or just keep an eye on it from the surface. But at night, 
I always, I always think about, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but there was a night in Hawaii the last time I was there where Jeff like ran into the water and started swimming and it was like dusk. It wasn't even full night yet, but it was getting pretty dark and I was following you. And then I was just like, no, I'm not doing this. And I (laughs) turned around and swam back. And anytime I jump into water at night, even like lakes, you kind of get the willies and in the ocean, especially I'm, I don't like going far into the water at night in the ocean. Cause it just feels so much darker and like unknown. And I don't know, maybe you guys are the same way. I don't, I don't know. I'm scared probably, yeah. but yeah. it is like definitely scarier yeah. than in the day. We also aren't like professionally trained to critically think about those kinds about of sharks all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> have you done a night dive will. ever? I have, yeah. Yeah. Like I came like back to from that dive. night in Hawaii and you were like, yeah, I didn't go out because of sharks. And I was like, oh yeah, there's yeah. sharks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was dusk too. And like dusk and it was really murky in the water that year. Mm. So it just was like oh. a perfect scenario. Right. Um, I'd be pretty scared if I was one of the people. So the guy on the surfboard seems like that's a good place to be. Yeah. Because if I knew a shark was close and all I had was like a little beer cooler to be hanging on to, I'd be like, it's time to maybe trade. (laughs) I was thinking about that too. They must have been switching around. Yeah. Because he was on the surfboard at that moment. And I thought like the captain rose to be like, exactly. (laughs) Whoa, two Titanic It's like this huge paddle board that they could all fit on. Yeah. But nope, you get to hang on to a, a little plastic <laughs> bottle. That's all you get. So the shark had nicked him. He It left, and the entire group was really shaken at this point. Uh, they had a huge sense of dread. The shark had just disappeared into the dark water. And they all knew enough about sharks to know that a tiger shark wouldn't be easily discouraged from what it now thought might be a meal. So we're going to talk a bit about tiger sharks. This is a new animal for the podcast. We haven't talked about them yet. They're one of my favorite sharks. I'm excited. They're one of what? Where do they rank? Uh, that's that's a hard question. <laughs> favorite sharks. Favorite shark is it's a gotta great, be whale shark great and white. great whites. Yeah, and then a whale shark, and then probably tiger sharks. Afterward. Number three. Yeah. Uh, so they're one of the largest predatory sharks in the world. The great white is really the only one that's larger. Great hammerhead sharks can be longer, but they're not as bulky. So mm. tiger sharks are generally but considered the said- second. Tiger sharks can get bigger yeah. than great whites. So I'm going to contradict myself. We're going to do a quick, a quick correction corner. Right. Okay. Because in the, I had read that, and then I dove into tiger sharks a little bit more, and there's like one really unconfirmed catch of like a 24 foot tiger shark, mm. and that's the one that people sometimes use to say they can be bigger than great whites. But there's no real data or photos or anything, and so I don't think we can count it. Okay. Um, I think great whites still are bigger yeah. on average, but tiger sharks can get really big. Um, so strike, strike that from the record. Yeah, don't listen we'll to that. Episode don't ever anymore. listen to that episode. <laughs> yeah. So females can grow to be 16 feet long and males around 13 feet. So they are a dimorphic species. Pretty big still. Uh, females are larger than the males. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Is that? It's still sexual dimorphism. Is yeah. that normal for sharks? Uh, I believe it is. I do think the females get a little bit bigger in Interesting. So a large female tiger shark can weigh over 2,000 pounds, and there's unsubstantiated claims of tiger sharks that were over 20 feet long 
and weighed more than 3,500 pounds. There's one that was like slightly more substantiated of a tiger shark that was 18 feet long, but for now we're going to say their max length is about 16 to 17 feet. Okay. They're part of the largest order of sharks. Two-thirds of a bus. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> we're not sure. <laughs> we got to figure out My how My favorite big thing buses about are. this <laughs> measuring thing is we have no idea how, how big a bus is. Uh, all right. So they're part of the largest order of sharks, which are called the requiem sharks. And species of requiem sharks have a nictitating membrane. Nictitating membrane. So that's a thin translucent membrane that slides down over their eyelid. Alligators have that. Some birds have it. It actually improves their eyesight in low light because it reflects some of the available light. Like improves it from daytime? Or is it just no, like it, just it has like better it, at night than normal? They have better night vision than, than other animals. So this means that like many of the other requiem species of sharks, tiger sharks will do a lot of their hunting at night, and that's just because they have an advantage over their prey that doesn't have that nictitating membrane or like good eyesight at night. No, it's cheating. Uh, I don't, yeah, I guess. <laughs> They're found throughout tropical and temperate waters. They're especially common in places like Western Australia, the South Pacific, Hawaii, and the Bahamas. Have you seen one? I haven't, but I'm hoping I'm hoping to go to the Bahamas this year to dive with some sharks, and I'd love to see a tiger shark. Mm, cool. As far as sharks go, they're the ultimate opportunists, so they're much less picky about their food than, like, say, a great white. We talked about in our great white episode, adult great whites will typically only target food that's really rich in fat. So that's why a lot of times when they bite people, they immediately peel off because they're like, oh, there's not enough fat bony there. Right. They're bony and like to process all that bone and everything isn't worth it to them. But I think just because tiger sharks don't migrate quite as far and they aren't as fast moving of a shark as a great white, they don't have the same energy requirements. So they can be a lot less picky about their food and they have a large range of potential food items. So one of their main things that they're known for eating is sea turtles. There's actually some really viral videos yeah, going around. Are, like, it's cool how the turtles like defend just to like turn their body so it only bites shell. Or just, yeah, exactly. They're pretty fast too to get away. But So they will attack sea turtles, fish, dolphins, crustaceans, birds, seals, like Hawaiian monk seals, squid, and even other sharks. They're so open to investigating potential prey that tiger sharks have often been found with like uh, license plates or like weird garbage in their oh, stomach. Like the Jaws one. Like yeah. they ate a car? Yeah. Uh, no, I shouldn't say they're often found with license plates. <laughs> they're often found with weird garbage. So when someone says it was like they got hit by a truck, it's more yeah, true than usual. <laughs> it had a license plate on it. <laughs> someone just like drove into the ocean and then their whole family got eaten with the car. Yeah. yeah. If you think about it, it kind of sucks that they're found with all this stuff in their stomachs. Yeah. Because it means garbage that like, it's trash ocean. that we've thrown into the ocean. Yeah. So they have short serrated teeth that are very unique due to their sideways pointing tip. Mm-hmm. So like a, a tiger shark tooth is really iconic, especially if you ever go to Hawaii. It's like the one that you often see. I had see. a cool necklace. Yeah. That. They're like, they're really serrated. And then the tip like points at a pretty oh, hard yeah. angle to the side. To me, their teeth remind me of like a chainsaw blade. If you ever look at a chainsaw chain, it has these blades on it that have like a tip that points really hard to the side and they work in a really similar function. Not good for human flesh. No, no. So just like gray whites, they have an infant number of teeth and 
tiger shark teeth are really designed just to saw through stuff like turtle shell, for example. Mm. And then they are just constantly producing new ones. So if you want to hear more about how that actually kind of works, we talked about it in one of our other shark episodes. I don't remember which one. Yeah. Just go listen to them. Listen to them all. <laughs> so they have countershaded coloring, uh, which means they're dark on the top and light on the bottom. That makes it harder for stuff above them to see them and harder for stuff below them to see them. They get their name tiger shark from vertical stripes and bars on their sides that are often really visible when they're young and they get a bit more faded as they grow older, but you can typically still see some bars on a tiger shark. Why do they have those? Uh, I imagine it's like also camouflage because like the reflection of the water on the surface kind of matches with it, Mm. but I'm not totally sure, but that's generally what it would be. They have really specialized anatomy just like other sharks to help them find prey. They have a lateral line that picks up vibrations in the water. And they also have Ampulae de Lorenzini, which helps them detect minute electrical fields in the water. Yeah. So that's Ampulae de Lorenzini. These features, as well as like a really powerful factory bulb, which is what they use to detect blood in the water, contribute to them being a nearly perfect predator. Like other sharks, they're pretty much unchanged for hundreds of millions of years, which is amazing to me. Okay, a little bit more. Tiger sharks are responsible for the second most recorded bites on humans, second only to my favorite shark, the great white shark. The great white. And white tip. or Oceanic white tip. Oceanic white tip, it's like we're not completely sure. They could be up there. Because they get a lot of open ocean people who aren't recorded. Yeah, like the USS Indianapolis. Like there's a lot of ones that they could have killed. They're a large predatory shark that spends large amounts of time close to the shore. They have a lot of flexibility when it comes to prey. And all those factors combined make them one of the more dangerous sharks. Mm, Sounds bad. But it does. Those attacks are still incredibly rare when you consider how many people spend time in the water. Think about it like in Hawaii. Hawaii is known for tiger sharks. There are millions of people that enter the water every year in Hawaii. Mm. And they average like two or three tiger shark attacks a year. So this isn't a common thing. You this think really, like as Americans continue to get fatter, maybe we'll get attacked more often by maybe, sharks? by great whites. They're <laughs> yeah, just like, whites, yeah. ah, this bone is worth it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are responsible for the second most number of attacks, but I just want to make everyone know and make this clear. That's still not many considering how much time people do actually spend in the water, especially in tropical places where tiger sharks are found. Mm. So I want to get more into like their attack statistics and more about tiger shark attacks, but they're definitely an animal we're going to be doing more. So I'm not going to get into like every fact and every statistic right now just to save some stuff for further episodes. Right. Okay. Back to the story. So Ray had just been bitten by the shark this is a 15-foot shark that they're guessing, so a really big tiger shark, yeah. about as big as they get. It then disappeared into this dark water. So to this floating so group of super three. scariest situation yeah, you can be in. Yeah, the biggest possible tiger shark, it's disappeared Besides into the dark water. Besides being tortured. Right. Yeah, for yeah. two weeks, yeah. apparently. Uh, so this water that had before been like unimaginably blue and beautiful and welcoming to this group is now the most hostile environment on Earth. And it's just full of all this unseen terror. Panic is really starting to set in on Ray, Dennis, and Lindy. They're floating around. They're turning at any kind of little splash that they hear. It's like, yeah, like you said, probably the scariest scenario possible. Mm -hmm. Like, you know a shark's there and you're floating in the night. Ten minutes later, the shark reappears on the surface. Its dorsal fin once again breaks above the water for a moment and then disappears. And Ray, Dennis, and Lindy go completely silent. 
And then suddenly Dennis screams into the darkness, he's got my leg, the bastard's got my leg. So Ray immediately yells to Dennis that he should kick the shark because that technique had worked so well for him. But on this attack on Dennis wasn't an exploratory attack. It was a full on, like the shark really went for it. And so as Dennis kicks down again and again with his free leg, he just meets the unrelenting head of this massive shark. Yeah. So, I mean, a a 16 foot tiger shark, its head is going to be almost as big as one of your legs. It's just not going to do anything. It's not going to stop it. They can kill seals. They can kill dolphins. You you kicking it isn't going to stop. Maybe it. if you were wearing like cowboy spurs. Yeah, maybe you should wear. That's why I always wear those when yeah, I'm out. If surfing. your ship's going down, yeah, throw on your spurs. Get your spurs on. <laughs> so then Ray and Lindy watch in horror as Dennis is yanked below the surface of the water, and the ocean that had previously been like full of chaos, all this you know him splashing and yelling and screaming is now completely silent. And they peer out at the spot where Dennis had been just a a few seconds ago, and to their relief, he pops back up a few seconds later. But now this water that was already really dark somehow gets darker, and they realize it's from all this blood that he's losing. And they knew that this bite had been pretty devastating. They weren't sure just how devastating it had been, though. And then Dennis reaches down and realizes his leg is completely gone. Oh, my gosh. So they search for something they can use as a tourniquet, but they couldn't find anything. Their panic's increasing when the shark again reappears. And Dennis, in what to me seems an almost unbelievable moment of bravery, realizes he's not going to survive this. And he turns to his friends. He tells them to bolt and to gather in all the stuff and leave him. So he's like, take all the floaties, get out of here. Oh, man. And then he pushes them away before they can do anything and starts swimming the opposite direction drawing the shark away because he's got this bleeding stump of a leg and Ray and Lindy kind of look at each other and they start paddling away and they turn around and as they turn around, they see Dennis get lifted up out of the water by the shark and then it pulls him under the water and they never see him again. Yeah. That's a cool way to go out though. Yeah. Pretty heroic. Yeah. Like almost unreal heroic. Yeah. So Lindy can't process what had just happened. They swim away a little bit, and she just starts screaming uncontrollably. Mm. Which, again, this is a 21-year-old girl. I don't blame her. No. I would also just be <laughs> losing my mind at this point. And Ray shakes her, and he tells her that they need to stay alive. They owe it to their friend who had just sacrificed himself to stay alive. And he figures that with their pace, they might be able to reach the reef by morning. And they just had to keep it together to make it to the reef. So sunrise actually, though, wouldn't be for a few hours And the shark wasn't finished. So about two hours after killing Dennis, the shark returns. Its fin once again cuts through the surface of the water. And it's almost lazily circling Dennis and Lindy. And at this point... I'd be so, like, irritated with the shark at this point. Like, dude. Just leave us alone. Get out of here. You got one of us already. They're overwhelmed from shock. You're ruining my day. (laughs) (laughs) They had been swimming now for a couple hours since Dennis had died. And they're dealing with that mental anguish. They're dealing with like the just the panic of being in the water with the shark. They're just completely overwhelmed. So they, it's like from reading about this, it seemed like their eyes were just kind of like glazed over. They're looking at the shark and they just stopped paddling to watch the shark and see what it was going to do in this darkness. And they're holding onto each other's hands as this is happening. Like they're probably almost accepting at this point. Are they the yeah. couple? The shark. I forgot. No, it was no, but Dennis they're friends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in a really slow, fluid motion, the shark that had been circling breaks off from its circle, and it approaches Lindy, who's floating in the life ring. 
uh, with its head halfway protruding from the water, it bites into the 21-year-old around her chest and her arms, and then it pulls her hand out of the grip of Ray. <sighs> so he was holding onto her hand as this happened. And then he silently watches in horror as she has time just to admit a tiny squeal, and the shark starts shaking her by her torso, and she goes completely silent. Uh, within seconds, she's motionless in the water. So and this, this attack only took seconds. The shark came in, grabbed her by the chest, ripped her away from Ray, and then shook her enough to where it just ripped her apart. Ray turns and just starts swimming towards Lodestone Reef, which he now knows is really close. He's in total shock, but he's completely fixated on getting to this coral outcropping. And not long after, in the glowing light of Tuesday morning, the shark appears again, but he also now can see the reef. So this, like, being able to see the reef is giving him a second wind. This is just like a movie in my mind. Like, yeah. He can see it, but he also knows the shark's right behind him, and he's swimming as hard as he can. The shark's right behind him, and he managed to get, like, on a wave, and the wave pushes him into the reef, and he scrambles up, cuts himself up all on the reef in the process, but gets up on top of the reef. Oh, man. And as he's, like, safe on the reef, he lets his emotions just overwhelm him, he starts just like screaming out in joy and he's so happy he made it. And then he breaks down crying because he starts to feel like the true loss of his friends and all yeah. this stuff that had just happened to him. And as he was sitting there like bawling, he heard the sound of a helicopter high above and he looked up to see the approaching Australian air force who had spotted him as he was struggling through the water. Oh wow! So apparently on one of the things I read, someone said they remember seeing a news clip of like him swimming through the water with the shark behind him. Oh geez. Like the air force had gotten footage of that. So I don't know. I like, I couldn't find that anywhere. That was the only place where I saw that, but on like a forum, someone like said, they clearly remember seeing that. I kind of have, I have that you, image. It, in was my this mind. you? Did you write the forum? <laughs> no, but uh, I feel like I've seen that. Okay. But I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So it's 1040 in the morning. On Tuesday, when the helicopter pulls Ray Boundy from Lodestone Reef and up to safety, he's leaving the nightmare behind. And as he was helicoptered to safety, he learned that six planes and almost all of the commercial fishing fleet in Townsville had been looking for the new venture since Sunday night. So when this storm kicked up, they sent a call out to the boat to like check on them and they never responded. So they sent out rescuers like on Sunday night, pretty much. Ray was treated for minor cuts and exposure, but he made a full physical recovery. Uh, he returned to the sea not long after. He was still captaining trawlers and even rescued three men when their ship went down in the same area where uh, the new venture had sunk. He would have a lifetime ahead of him dealing with the psychological trauma, though, of this 36 hours. That trauma was really exacerbated by news organizations that brought up the story and cast a lot of doubt on it, which was really easy to do because he was the only survivor. And that was something I want to talk about. In these circumstances where there's only one person that survives, you kind of have to just take their word for it. And I don't want to cast any doubt on it. And like for me, there have been times where I've heard survival stories of people where there's animals involved, where the description of the animal's behavior is so far outside of that animal's natural behavior that I know it's that it's like BS. But this isn't a case of that. This isn't typical behavior for a tiger shark, but it's definitely not outside of its natural behavior. So I don't doubt his story, uh, and I don't think we're here to do that. No. So, I mean, when you think about a tiger shark, on that note, 
this is an animal that does like they can be very coastal, but they can also be somewhat open ocean predators. And for them, like finding an easy floating meal, it would be almost dumb for it not to investigate it. You know, they know this is a potential food source. It's putting off an electrical field that they find enticing. It's putting off vibrations. They know it's, it's potential prey. So I think when we talk about this story, I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit less scary here, but this whole thing of like the shark circling and like going around them, that's not it trying to like instill terror in them. That's not it being menacing or anything. That's a, that's a curious animal trying to figure out if it's worth the risk of going in and attacking. Just like any other animal in the entire animal kingdom, they're going to be risk averse. They don't want to like take a risk they don't need to. So it wasn't stalking them. It was checking them out. It was trying to decide if they're food. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing when they're circling and when they're checking something out. Um, and even it coming in and bumping Ray, that was it just like saying like, oh, you know, okay, maybe this is food. You know? yeah. So we can't blame an animal for simply doing what it comes natural to it, taking advantage of a potential food source, especially one that's just kind of bobbing around in the ocean at night. I mean, it's just... Like we're not built for that. It's like Pringles, right? You can you can only <laughs> you can't just have one. Once you pop, you just can't <laughs> Once stop. You pop, you Is that what you're talking yeah, about? So you got like he a pops bite. that leg and just and then stop. he's just like, I yeah. can't just stop at one bite. Yeah, I guess it's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying real hard to be like respectful <laughs> to the shark and the victims. Here we go. No, I think that's a great metaphor. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's do our ouchies. This is a tough one because two people died, but I do think it was long enough ago that we can do our ouchies. I would say for me... As like a group, we're just combining the three. I'm going to say Dennis and Lindy. Okay. Ray, Ray's ouchies. The, were, we can do Ray's ouchies too. <laughs> the worst one is Dennis. Okay. So yeah, let's do all three. The worst one is Dennis. He got his leg chewed off and then, and then got, killed. got salt water in it and then <laughs> had to swim away. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it was over in like minutes. Yeah. So because of that, I'm gonna we don't give know. it an eight. I mean, we don't know if it was but over. The tear factor adds to it. It could have pulled them under, and then like who knows? Like that would be yeah. that suck to be that scared. Yeah. I'm giving Dennis an eight. I'm gonna give Lindy a nine because of the added like time aspect of just being terrified. Well, she had to see Dennis die, and too. you see your boyfriend yeah. die. I'm giving them both nines. I'm giving. What's the other guy? Ray. Ray. I'm giving him a 10. Have you ever been scratched up by a reef? It does suck. <laughs> I'm giving Ray... Salt water? <laughs> I was going to give Ray a 1. No. I'll, I'll give him a 2. You know, and like all the floating well, around in the ocean. You got the mental and yeah, let's give, aspect. Well, so I'm let's not counting him. that. Okay, we'll count it. If we're <laughs> counting that, he's almost the worst off because he had to like live his entire life thinking right. about his friends getting ripped apart. So who knows? This is a hard one. <laughs> the image of seeing the shark circling you after you've already seen one of your friends and then two of your friends die. I was out on a paddleboard when hammerhead sharks were kind of just like investigating what my yeah. brother and I were doing in Hawaii about like a year ago. And even just that, I don't know, you feel so uneasy. You just yeah. don't know what's going to happen. But you do know in this story, you know that the shark already killed and ate one of your right. friends. And I can't imagine back. how terrifying that yeah. must be. Yeah. Well, and then this isn't a small shark. It's it's 16 feet. Like a lot of the whale sharks we've swam with are around that size. Like this is a big, big animal. And if you see that dorsal fin go cutting by you, you're like, 
oh, I'm powerless against this. Yeah. This isn't something I can stop. If it wants to kill me, it's going to kill me. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a crazy one. This is one that I was like, this is pure terror. It's something you would never get over. Yeah. You know? All three of them went through a really bad time. Yeah. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad time. All right. Uh, let's get into our categories. So we've done a number of favorite sharks at this point. Mm. We'll probably do some more because there are a lot of great sharks in pop yeah. culture. But today I wanted to ask you guys what your favorite shipwreck movie is. So your favorite movie involving a shipwreck. Have we done this? Uh, Did we do this for the shipwreck episode, the other one? I don't know. We might have. Well, let's do it again. You guys answered Swiss Family Robinson. That's what my answer was going to be. Yeah. I'll say Castaway. Okay. That's a good one. That's a great movie. Yeah. That's like an airplane wreck. Does that count? The more I think about it, the more- Yeah, that counts. I think, like I always thought this, but like now even more so, just like open that last package. Yeah. Like what if it's like a water purifier or something? Right. (laughs) Or like a to a radio. Yeah, like those like other ones radio. were really helpful. Or like a little package that says pain-free tooth extractor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm picking Poseidon Adventure, oh. an old Gene Hackman movie. Interesting. I think it was, if not the first, it was one of John Williams' first movies that he ever scored. Yeah. Great movie. I just, it was actually funny because it was a little bit of a double feature for me because it was on an old VHS tape that we taped that movie first. And then on the second movie on it was Mickey Mouse's the Prince and the Popper. And my mom didn't want me watching Poseidon adventure, but she knew that like Mickey Mouse. Yeah. So I'd always, I'd make sure I caught the very end when like Gene Hackman's hanging from the, I won't spoil anything, but check it out. It's a, it's a really good movie. Who directed Castaway? Is that Zemeckis? Uh, was it a Zemeckis movie? I think so. I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, yeah, mine's Swiss Family Robinson. But Castaway was like a close second for me. That's a movie that, that's one of those movies that whenever it comes on, I start watching and I get like real lost in it. Yeah. It's a good pick. There's also one that I watched not long ago with um, Robert Redford that I liked. It was called like All is Lost. Oh, yeah. That was, was a good shipwreck movie. It was like just him out on the sea alone, yeah. right? Just yeah. him? Yeah. I really liked it. I need to see that. Okay, so we're going to do what would Mike and Jeff do? You guys can pick any point in this story. What would you do? Well, Mike would probably just stay home and like the second there was wind, he'd like (laughs) come up with an excuse. (laughs) (laughs) No no good reason to go outside, I don't think. Uh, I would would all get on the surfboard banana boat style um, because sharks are probably afraid of groups, right? If you're all grouped together. I don't know. Well, I'll bank on that being a fact yeah. until I'm disproven. But yeah, uh, that's what I would do. I mean, I need to know the reasoning they got off the boat because yeah. it seems like the obvious answer is just to stay, stay on, on the yeah. boat and yeah. like wait for help. Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay. Trying to get the shark to choke on your legs is a good strategy, though. Just didn't work just for him. jam it down its throat. <laughs> I don't think that's what he was doing. All right. Um, I think I agree with you, like... In any survival situation, you're supposed to stay as close to where the incident happened as possible because that's where they're going to look for you. Hopefully you had some sort of route plan or whatever, but I have to imagine they had a good reason for leaving the boat. Maybe it's like almost all the way sunk at that point or something. Yeah. Who knows? As far as preventing shark attacks though, there's a lot of like with, with some of our animals where there's not much you can do once they act the attack has actually happened. 
it's a lot about prevention. Bear we, spray. We had no bear spray is it's not going to work on them, but we have talked about this before. There's some times where you should really avoid swimming. So you don't necessarily want to swim at dawn or dusk or at night. Uh, you want to avoid places that might be especially enticing to sharks. So places that have murky water, because with all those specialized, but you got anything for like shipwreck. Yeah. We'll oh, talk about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. You want to avoid like murky water, river mouse, estuaries, carcasses, anything that might be appealing to a shark. We talked about they have all this specialized equipment for detecting stuff in water to where for them, murky water is really great because they can sneak up on fish or whatever and they know exactly where it is, but it can't necessarily see them or know where they are. If you are shipwrecked or if something happens to you where you're in a situation where there's a shark around and you need to actually deal with that shark. In that case, you want to face the shark and you want to try and get something in between you and it. So if you can have something that you can actually hold in the water column, like not necessarily on the surface of the water, but in the water column, like a a stick or a rod or something that you can like push at with the shark as it comes in, that's a really good way to just discourage that shark and make it decide that you're not worth the effort that it's requiring to actually come in and attack you. So that's the main thing is just always keep the shark in front of you and always try and keep something in between you and it. If you're actually like in the water and you see it coming toward you, a really good idea is to actually put your head in the water and try and see the shark. That's a lot harder at night, but maintain eye contact with it. And as it comes in to get you with the tiger shark, they have a really big flat head and you actually just put your hand on that flat part at like the point of its face and just try and divert it away from you. And you need to follow through by pushing through with your body. And then you kind of like push up and over the shark. Mm. And that can completely divert it away from you. And they'll only try that a few times before they just give up. For them, it's like this oh. thing's kind of got it figured out. Well, that sounds easy. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily easy. <laughs> <laughs> I did though. I was So I was free diving with sharks once. And a big sandbar shark came in. And I was told to do that. Like if it comes all the way in and approaches to within like arm's reach to like hold my arm up and then to like do a motion down and push it away with my arm. And I did it and it worked perfectly. Like the second I made contact Hmm. with that shark, it diverted. And with tiger sharks, they have that big flat broad nose to where you have a really good spot to kind of grab and push it away. Hmm. If you're actually being attacked by a shark, you can try and fight back. You can try and like get your hands in their gills or in their eyes or whatever. But at that point, it's like we talked about with a lot of animals, you've lost control of the situation. There's not much you can do. You're kind of grasping at straws at that point. Right. Here's a question. Yeah. So when a tiger shark gets a sea turtle in its mouth, just like the shell, Mm -hmm. like what happens? Uh, They start like going back and forth like it did with Lindy, like shaking Uh it back and forth. And those serrated teeth will cut through their shells. It goes through the shell? Uh, Yeah. But what they try and do, I think, I'm not positive about this, they try and get at their flippers in their head. Mm. And then they kill it. And then they can just like take their time working at it. But they can, if they can like latch into the shell, they can bite through the shell too. Like they have enough pressure to get through it. And where's like the most meat? Uh, They're full of meat. So like once you get through the shell, yeah, there's but like a bunch you of have to there. bite through the shell to get to the meat, right? Unless you're getting the flippers of the head. Mm. Yeah. And then you can just eat through the head. You mean to get at all the other meat? Yeah. They would still have to get through part of the shell. I see. Yeah. You can't just like suck it out. It's not like an oyster <laughs> or something. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do our cage match because we haven't done tiger sharks before. Yeah. 
I think recently we were talking about doing a cage match with like three feet of water. Yeah. Which is a pretty good idea. I think if you take the biggest tiger shark versus our other aquatic animals that we've done. um, The one I'm most curious about is alligator. I think it beats an alligator. But loses to a crocodile, right? Loses to a saltwater crocodile, probably. Mm. That'd be a pretty good fight, though. Okay. I think a great white has a slight edge on it. Yeah. An orca, orcas feed on tiger sharks. Mm. That's like a a prey item for them. Hippo, I would give the hippo the edge. I'm putting all my money on hippo. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about hippo versus orca? You're losing probably, some money. Probably I'd go orca. Yeah, yeah. You're losing money if you do that one. Well, I wouldn't put all my money on <laughs> You just said you're putting all your money on hippo. <laughs> Versus a tiger oh, shark. Oh, I thought you just meant in general. No. Like as your like winner. No. Oh, okay. What other aquatic animals the have great, done? Or the white tip? Yeah, it's beaten the white tip reef shark. Or sorry, oceanic white tip. Um, what about an elephant in four feet of water? I would give the elephant the advantage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a good question. <laughs> The the three or four feet of water really introduces a weird wrinkle into this. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think a polar bear versus a tiger shark in three or four feet of water would be a, another really interesting one. Yeah. But I think I would probably give the advantage to the tiger shark, hmm. but I'm not sure. How about okay. a giant reticulated python? Is there any scenario? I'm going shark like, still. Yeah, that's what I would because imagine. Because I think but... once the sh- I think the shark gets the snake in its jaws and the snake wraps around the shark. But I think the shark just kills the snake yeah. before the snake what can construct the shark. What about a giant squid? I don't know. We haven't done them yet. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why we're including them. <laughs> well, I'm just curious. <laughs> just throwing them yeah, out I don't there. know. Maybe yeah. we'll do them sometime and then yeah. we can talk we about had, it. We only did elephant on Patreon. That's true. But yeah, it counts. Yeah. All right. Okay. So what? what's like your best fight for a tiger shark? My best fight for a tiger shark would probably be a great white shark. Oh, really? They can yeah. hold their own a I bit. think it would be interesting. Okay. I think the great white would probably win, but I think it's the best fight. They're similar size. They're both sharks. I think it's a good fight. Cool. Okay. They kind of got the advantage with the saw teeth. Yeah, but great whites are more explosive and yeah. like a faster shark. I'm just saying what tiger sharks have an advantage yeah. with. Is maybe great whites do have serrated teeth, though, too. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tricky one. They seem a little thicker, too. That like could be, be true. Yeah. Yeah. That could be the true is what I just said. That could be the true. <laughs> um, all Plus right. they got tiger blood. Time for our new category. Did Mike and Jeff listen? Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. So. I definitely spaced out. Who wants to go times. first? I'll get it out of the way. All right. You gave Mike the easiest well, ones I, last Well, that's time. why I was asking who wants to go first. <sighs> okay. Okay. Because I have these just arranged in order. Yeah, like, go for okay. it. Okay. How old was Lindy? 21. Correct. What was the name of the boat, oh Jeff? Oh, gosh. I want to go first. I said, it like, <laughs> I said it like six times. Do you know it, Mike? Do you not? I don't know. I don't think. Is it like Can the steel? A huntsman or something? No, the new venture. New venture. Oh, Okay. Man. Mike, name three sharks. Oh, I didn't say this, but I'm going to see if you know it. Okay. So I'm sorry. This is kind of cheating a little bit. Name three sharks bigger than a tiger shark. Okay. So great white. The hammerhead can get bigger, and I don't know what else did we. You didn't say it, but I did actually say one other one that's bigger. A huge old ball ball shark. No, can I steal? You can. Okay, the whale shark, mm-hmm. uh, great what? white shark, mm-hmm. and Should've that counted. Greenland shark. Greenland sharks can be the same size, pretty much. Okay, 
but I'll count Great Hammerhead that he said too. Okay. The other one that I was going to say earlier is Basking Shark. Mm. So the two sharks yeah. that are bigger than Great Whites and Tiger Sharks are Basking Sharks and Whale Sharks, but neither of them are predatory sharks. Okay. That, I messed that so one up. So we're at 1-1. One, one. Yep, yep. Okay. Jeff, where did the uh, shark first bite Ray? I stole, he stole that one. I, he got one that I didn't. Yeah. So There's he just one. gets a point even yeah. though he didn't get three? I named two that you didn't. I could have named Okay, it. sure. Great let's, white. Let's go with, yeah. You didn't think it. I knew yeah, great it. white? Family blood, way thicker than friends. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. Where did the shark first bite Ray? It bit him by the knee. Correct. 2-1. Uh, I don't want any more questions. Just give them to Jeff. <laughs> Dude, that's how all quiz shows work, if you steal. These last two are the hardest. Okay. Mike. What is the membrane over a tiger shark's eye called? Um, oh, the, no, not the Lorenzini. It's the articulated what you just something. said. I don't know. Uh, it's the nictitating. Nictitating. Oh, sorry, you could have stolen that, but you wouldn't have got nah, it. It's the nictitating. Yeah, you would have given him the point. Uh, though, so. Jeff, what organ do sharks use to detect electrical fields? Oh, oh okay. That's when the ampulated Lorenzini. I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, of course you Lawrence. are. <laughs> you want my points? Yeah. <laughs> give it Okay. Mike, Mike wins. Mike gets four points. I'm <laughs> okay. at zero. All right. All right. Uh, so you guys, Mike, you've won both of these now. <laughs> Two and oh, baby. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's get into our conservation corner. Tiger sharks, like all large requiem sharks, are seeing massive population declines. Uh, that's due mostly to shark finning. Huge numbers are also killed as bycatch from commercial fisheries. They're also directly targeted for medicinal properties of their liver. Apparently, tiger shark livers are really rich in vitamin A, I think is what it is. So people hunt them just for their liver. Uh, they're a prize fish for sport fishermen. Um, and then sometimes when an attack happens, they actually do tiger shark culls. So they'll go out and kill as many tiger sharks as possible or big predatory sharks. Um, Australia is kind of famous for having done some coals in the past when people were killed. They're currently listed as near threatened by the IUCN, which doesn't seem like a really drastic uh, listing, but they are at risk of extinction because populations are being really drastically affected by the demand for shark fins. So there's still a decent number of tiger sharks out there, but they're being systematically destroyed. So like all of the shark species, we're losing a lot of them. So something I wanted to say that's kind of another way of visualizing this, we've been talking now for a little over an hour. In that time, around 10,000 sharks were killed. Um, so just in the time that we've been talking, about 10,000 sharks have been killed. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty crazy. Um, they definitely have a lot more to fear from us than we do from them. I have friends that dive with tiger sharks. I have a friend that works in the South Pacific that does like dive tours and she does free diving and she's constantly in the water with tiger sharks. She knows all the tiger sharks in her region. They hardly ever try to bite or do anything. And when they do come in, she's learned how to divert them. They are a very amazing animal. They're not an animal that we should be afraid of. They're an animal you should be prepared for. And if you are going to be in a place where there's tiger sharks, you should think about them. But it's they're not worthy of the fear that we've given them. Mm. Yeah. So that's my that's my little spiel about tiger sharks and conservation. It's so crazy, ten thousand have died since we started talking. Yeah, yeah. not really, tiger sharks. But really sharks. makes our stupid yeah. quiz seem 
pretty pointless. How many humans do you think have died, though, in the past hour? Probably more. Well, I don't know, actually. How many humans die in every hour? How many ants? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, a lot of ants have probably died. (laughs) Probably a lot more have been made. Uh, A really, oh, a cool thing I learned about tiger sharks is they'll have like 30 to 35 pups in a litter, which is really neat. Yeah, that's a lot. So for our last category, we'll do some listener questions. Is it the last category? Our our claws a category? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. From Patreon first, Natalie wants to know, well, first she says, I've been beyond impressed with all the facts that Wes knows. Oh, thanks, Natalie. Yeah. How high is his IQ? Does he have a photo, (laughs) photo, she says photogenic memory. It's very photogenic. It looks great in photos. It's got to be photographic. (laughs) And then what is Jeff and Mike's IQ? Well, I got a zero on the quiz. I think I got like a, <laughs> my IQ is like a 15. Mike, do you know your IQ? I don't. I have yeah, no I don't idea. I don't, Isn't a good one like, I don't even know what good I don't IQ either. is. I feel 100 like, is average. Okay. I feel like a, like 120 plus is like, you're getting real smart. I don't think it's a really good way to measure intelligence either. I, I have no idea. My memory is photogenic in some regards. <laughs> photographic. Photographic, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's photographic in some regards. For whatever reason, animal facts are something that just kind of stick in my brain. Yeah. And I have good recall with them too. But then you could like ask me about sports statistics and I wouldn't be you're, able to do it. You're really good at trivia. I am I am good at trivia. Yeah. I am. I am. And, like, aren't you really, like, with your professor, I know he knows, like, way more about bears, but, like, you're pretty good about other animals. Yeah, he was always impressed that it wasn't just bears for me, that I kind of was well-rounded. You're probably pushing 200 IQ. Animal IQ. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's a different category. And then Sean wants to know, did you guys grow up watching Saturday morning cartoons? If you did, uh, do you have any favorites? I was really into, like, nighttime cartoons, like Cartoon Network, like Oops. Ed, Ed, and Eddie, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yeah. I was real big into Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. So, like, favorites for me were, like, DuckTales, Tales from the Crypt, like, the animated one. Mm. Um, I, man, there's Batman so many. Was cool. Ghost, the Ghostbusters cartoon. There's a bunch. But, like, those are ones that come to mind. Ghostbusters, Tales from the Crypt, and DuckTales. Mike, you got anything? Uh, Rocco's Modern Life was my I favorite. I two into Rocco's mm. Modern um, Life. And then, I don't know, what was the one that John, was it Johnny Quest? Yeah, that was I love a, Johnny That Quest. was, like, a pre- I think that was an afternoon school. one, though, too. Oh, was it? Like, that was one For right after For some reason, I remember watching school. it before going to school, but yeah. who knows? I lived in some backwards you state remember the, that like, is in Montana. You remember the, like like topographical map that you would go through yeah. before Johnny Quest. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Anyway. All right. From listener questions from Instagram. Yeah. Cage Grizzly Bear Refuge wants to know what's your favorite fact about bears? My favorite, I think when people ask this question, the one that I usually think of is um, delayed implantation. So the fact that like bears will made in June and this fertilized egg will kind of float around until the bear's body knows that it's healthy enough to support a cub and then it'll actually implant in the uterus in like October mm. and so that's an adaptation that bears have so that a is female that pretty specific to just bears there's other animals that have it too mm. but it is really well known in bears and it's so that the female doesn't go into a den and have a cub 
when her body isn't able to handle it. So it's almost like her body is like deciding whether or not to abort that, that fertilized egg. Interesting. Yeah. Before going into the den, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. Until the government gets involved. Yeah, exactly. Mike. I like that they can go through blackberry bushes and like not even get poked by thorns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My favorite fact is they have cute ears. Okay. Mm. But I also like that they, when they hibernate, they like form a butt plug. Yeah. And when they like come out of their den, they just like release everything. Yeah. They form months. one. Yeah, like it's called a rectal plug. Did they and like it, build it with their paws? Or it, no, it's just like build the, up and like there. the oh. the feces. That's like still pretty cute. Or what? What it's was not the cute facts? The cute was the ear. Uh, I think yeah. they just said their That's just favorite a cool fact. Or favorite, yeah. Uh, Fatty Patty wants to know what's the best view you've ever seen. Hmm. Do one of you guys want to go first? Uh, well, aside from Montana. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh... Mike's been when in Montana we were, too long. Mike's, Mike's been, been out like in a real Montana. Go right? lay down. Uh, w- me and Wes went to Kodiak, Alaska, and then we flew these planes over like humpback whales looking for like Kodiak grizzlies. Yeah. And we went, what was we Co- went to Katmai. Katmai National yeah. Park? And that might have been like, that was it just cool. looked like tropical water mixed with like huge mountains. mountains. Mike, do you have an answer for that? Yeah, so when I was in Thailand, I went to a really cool beach that, you know, um, what's the James Bond movie where they see, like, kind of the huge rock formations just popping out of the water, like, off the coast? It's like Goldfinger or something. Okay. Um, Yeah, I was on a beach that had a bunch of those really cool formations just popping out of the ocean just off the coast, and it was, like, it's kind of like Monument Valley. You see that picture all the time, but, like, being there is just really different. Yeah. Yeah. One that I think about a lot was this little village in Italy that I went to in the Dolomites Mm. where it was like this just beautiful little church in like a valley with just like the jagged Dolomites right above it. And there was all these cows walking around with like tinkling cowbells. They were. And it was just like such a beautiful little village surrounded by the most amazing mountains in the world. And it was just so picturesque and like fairy tale that I just sat there for like three hours and just looked at it. That might, that's one that's up there for me, but that's a really, it's hard to pick that, but that's, that's one of them. Okay. This name's really hard. So Luzma Haragi. Um, did you all ever watch animal face off when y'all do cage match? I always think of it. I've never so seen it. yeah, is that like a sequel to the original Face Off? Yeah, Travolta and with Cage. animals. In John it? Woo did it with doves. Yeah, <laughs> like a tiger and a bear <laughs> switch faces. I don't know. I've never. Okay. I've never seen it. From, oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, Lara Rainey. Lara Rainey. <laughs> you want to try it? Lara Renee. Lara Renee. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And also from Laura Andrews. Both okay. want to know how you, you know Hillary Duff. Oh, uh, we met through the internet in like 2014 or 15, 2015. Started chatting, ended up like being a really cool person. And like we hung out in California a few times and now we're just good friends. Okay. Yeah. She put us in her story once. Oh, yeah, she did. She talked about Tooth and Claw. Yeah. The first Mother's Day episode. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks, Hillary. Yeah. 
She's a great person. We owe you one. Yeah, I chose the, the rare celebrity that turned out really names great. From this one. This one's from Hannah. Seculical. <laughs> Let me see it again. No. I don't know that one. Uh, would you love Jeff if he was warm? Uh, probably not. <laughs> like, did you turn into a worm, or have you always been a worm? It just says if I was a worm. I, don't I know. would. You would? Yeah. Regardless. Okay. Thanks, dude. If he came out of the womb a worm, I'd be like, oh, it's just <laughs> what we've got. If, I don't know if I would. Okay. I'm an effing lady. Wants to know, most overrated hero in a movie or book? Oh, Mike's going to have some good Mike, thoughts about been this. A, he was on a big Captain America tear the other day. That's yeah. my guess. I would say, I don't know, like Ant-Man to me seems like kind of overrated. Yeah. Like when he's an ant, he has the power of a man, but he still just has the power of a man. I don't know. I was saying I don't really like Superman because it's just like, all right, so there's just like one thing that can kill you and every villain just has to like. Yeah, but he's like so powerful. How can you say he's overrated? You just, just don't like him. I think like the hype around him. Okay. He's yeah. kind of a dork. He it's is like, like dude, the if highest you're going to be like that powerful too, you're just going to help people like. Dude, yeah, like he is the most like, stuff up. white bread of all the superheroes. Well, any superhero who's just like completely broke too. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, dude? that's like, true. Go Pick steal some money. some money from a bad You're guy. You're not proving anything to anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. lame. All right, all right, that's it for okay. questions. Let's do our final category, which is our claw rating, which we're not sure if it's a category or not. Tiger sharks claws. I really want to give them ten claws, but I'm not going to because they're not my favorite sharks. Uh, so I'm going to give them nine claws. Sharks sharks are like a nine or ten for me, almost always. So I'm going to give them nine. I'm, that kind of hurts, though. I'm thinking seven for me. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's one of those animals, once I see it, it'll like move way up on my rankings. Yeah. But I haven't seen one. And like I like great whites. I like whale sharks. I like hammerheads mm-hmm. all more than... Tiger sharks. Okay. I'm putting them at 52. As a seven? You definitely had some, like... <laughs> don't. We okay. don't. Tens are right, like I need one a question. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Mike? I'll go with an eight. I think... I just haven't spent enough time thinking about them. Okay. You know? Like, when I think about sharks, tiger shark is not even, like, in the top five that I'll think is, like, oh, that's a cool shark, you know? It's a tiger shark. I know. It's it's it cool, eight. and if I spend more time thinking about it, but... Right. I don't know why I'm going to bat for tiger sharks, but I am. No, it's good that... Okay. Yeah. They're nine for me. It's hard for me not to give them a ten, but I'm going to go nine. Are they in your top five sharks? Yes. But they're probably, like, number five. I think I already said that they're, like, number three, right? Didn't I say whale shark, great white, and then these guys? Is that what it is? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Or I think it's great white, whale shark, then them. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, I got nothing else to say. We love you all. Love you guys. Love you.
Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.